Lovely, or we're dead and lovely. Strong. That was strong. I like that. That was a good intro. We should actually, you know what? I, I want you to separate that, and that should just be our intro every week. Yeah, every week. <laughs> I, I rehearsed that all day. I was kind of thinking all day to myself, yeah. like, what would be a really strong way to start this episode out? Uh-huh. That's kind of what I came up with, and uh, yeah, that's all I've got. That's good. That's good. You know, I, I imagine this week because of the movie we're covering, we'll have some listeners who will be uh, immediately turned on. Or just immediately have already turned it off by now. <laughs> like, and fuck yeah. these guys. Now, uh, let's just be honest. Anybody who's a fan of Harry Potter, he's got a little bit of geek in them. Yeah. <laughs> they know They know if they were recording themselves, they might be a little awkward. <laughs> they probably listened to that intro and they were like, that's about what I would do, that's fine. Continue. Yeah, this sounds like me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm Uncle Ben. You're your swimmer Steve or sterile Steve, Steve or whichever one we decided on. How are you doing today, there, Steve, out there on the West Coast? I've been doing pretty great. I've been a little sick. The weather's changing out here from mid 70s to mid 80s, and um, my sinuses are not happy about it they're not getting good to you out there that's too bad sickly steve this week you're sickly steve i'm sickly steve <laughs> i'm uh i'm doing real good man the weather out here on the east coast out here in east tennessee is beautiful i've got the windows open low humidity it's probably about 60 degrees right now at 12 wow. 57 a.m as i record this and uh yeah it's been uh, it's been going well i've been very busy lately been recording a lot and stuff and, uh, yeah, things have been going very, very well. I've been very excited about recording today's episode of, of, of Dead and Lovely here. So for you guys yeah, who are, are maybe first-time listeners here who are drawn in by the alluring search that you just did for Harry Potter or perhaps Sorcerer's Stone or something like that, um, this podcast is usually not about Harry Potter. It's usually a horror movie review podcast. But, uh, but we do, in every episode, talk about the sorcerer's stone so Typically. if you were searching sorcerer's stone and you landed here this is your podcast yeah this is kind of the one for you we uh we typically revor re- re- revor <laughs> we, we do we revor we revor horror movies mm-hmm. typically but uh we decided that every now and then our format would be as such that we would pull a wild card out of the hat every now and then and cover a movie that is typically kind of out of that spectrum just because uh, I really want to talk about these movies with my main man, Steve, over here. Because I absolutely adore the Harry Potter universe. And I'm, yes. I'm quite sure you do as well, don't you? Absolutely. One million percent, yes. God damn. I would, I would even go as far as to say that the... Oh, fuck, there's a huge spider walking across my floor right now. Oh, get it away. Oh, God, you can't edit this because this goes into that time a spider showed up while you were recording uh, Wink and Wake Shop. Oh, oh, that was that, uh, which one is that? That was the This Is Why You Suck at Guitar episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, Oh, my God. Oh, I hate him. I'm gonna, you like, think it's pick- the same spider? 
<laughs> no, or is I, I it killed a the fuck out of that revenge? one. <laughs> Does that spider's family have it out for you? It might be that kind of thing. Like this is his like vengeful cousin. that's like you killed my uncle. <laughs> <laughs> they're Italian. That, yeah, it's an Italian spider family. Italian yeah. spiders, obviously. <laughs> Ugh, I got my feet up off the floor. I'm actually standing up on a chair, and I'm wearing uh, an apron and a pearl necklace, like a, a '50s house. Yeah, I thought I heard someone saying "eek eek." That was me. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes so, sense. So the Harry Potter series is one of my favorite parts about about being alive. Um, yeah, and honestly, specifically the books. The books are one of my favorite things of all time ever. Um, I have read them multiple times, all of them, and I've also had. This is this is okay. Get ready to get just just snuggled in with Uncle Ben here for some cuteness. Okay, so I'm, I'm preparing. My my wife, my wife, mm-hmm. she uh, she she read a book to me all the time. She narrated mm-hmm. the book to me while I driving the car, while I washing the dish. That's really cool, honestly. I I didn't know that. That's it's, cool. It's awesome. She does this for me all the time. It kind of started whenever we moved into our house, and uh-huh. I I kind of enjoy painting, like painting you know walls and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times she'd come home from work and she'd be too tired to do that stuff, but I'd be like, I'll paint. And she has this like, she has this massive like work guilt complex where it's like if one person's working, the team should be working. So she's like, I don't really want to work, yeah. but I'll read a book to you. And I'm like, okay, sick. Um, so she has actually dictated. Okay, she has dictated the entire Harry Potter series to me out loud. Um, going on the second time now because now we're getting the illustrated editions of the books. Have yeah. you seen these yet? No, dude. They they just came out with the uh, uh, Chamber of Secrets this year, but they're doing illustrated editions of all the Harry Potter books. Wow, they're big, oh, that's oversized, so cool, dude. And the illustrations are just fucking. So rad. They're one of the best things I've ever encountered in life. They're seriously fucking awesome. So <laughs> we're kind of going on the second time for dictating all those. She's also dictated uh, the Hunger Games trilogy. Uh-huh. Um, most impressively, she's dictated the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh, my God. That's a lot of Yes, words. and how do you not fall asleep while you're reading it? Sometimes I do while I'm driving, and it's fine. We make yeah. it home. It's fine. Yeah, you guys have one of those uh, self-driving Teslas, right? No, 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 no. It's just a Corolla. It's a 97 oh. Corolla. Not, oh. Not oh, no, that was a feature on the 97 Corolla, though. Is It just says, just go ahead and fall asleep on the dash. Yeah, yeah, it's and fine. And you do, and you're fine. Yeah, the airbag is actually just a pillow that comes out of the, uh, of the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. she, she's narrated these to me uh, many, many, many times, and uh, they're some of my favorite things in the world. And the movies... I'll tell you how I feel about the movies, honestly, because as as we'll talk about, the movies are nowhere near the glory of the books, no. the, the depth of the story and the characters and so on. It's nowhere mm-hmm. close, but I look at the movies as being a a visual companion to the books. It, it's taking yes. a peek into what my imagination was already seeing, and I'm overjoyed just to be you know, an inch further into the Harry Potter universe just yes. by seeing the movies. It's like, I, I know that there's problems with them. I know that, you know, some of the acting is bad. I know that there's weird cuts to what they cut out of the actual stories of some of the, the movies mm-hmm. and stuff. I don't care. It, it, just, it gets me into that world and lets me see some of it. So mm-hmm. I'm fine with it. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. I mean, the... 
Okay, so here's my getting into Harry Potter story. I was about to tell you a story, and then I realized, like, this is basically my getting into Harry Potter story. Secret Origins. Secret Origins. All right, so I'm going to whisper these. (laughs) Um, So anyway, um, I, I saw the first four movies before I had ever read any of the books. Um, yes. The third movie is the most confusing movie in the world if you've never read the books. <laughs> just so I you know. would completely imagine that because that's one of the ones yeah. that has some cuts in it that I just can't understand. Yeah. I, I do love that movie. I think Karan did a great job. It looks beautiful. Oh. And he, oh, it really beautiful. changed the trajectory of the Harry Potter movies from the, like, way that chris columbus was doing it to a more like dark and and uh, kind of burton-esque i guess but yeah definitely so i had seen some of the movies i'd seen i actually had seen all four of the movies but someone had told me that i should read the books and i was like whatever because i read you know big important books yeah sturdy books yeah a book that you know could uh knock someone out or choke an elephant Yes, a book that if an elephant were to try to eat it, it would choke. Wow. And that's sad, because elephants, endangered. Um, (laughs) Anyway, so uh, the person who had told me that, I I didn't exactly respect their opinion. But then, uh, maybe a year later, I was hanging out with a little person named Ben Eller. Uh Uh-oh, this guy. Yeah, yeah, and his then-girlfriend, now-wife. And Mm-mm. he's then girlfriend, now wife's sister. My girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Kate, your wife, My wife. Uh, she asked me if I had read the books because we were talking about Harry Potter. And I said I had not. And <laughs> she probably came down upon you with furious blows. She did with a hammer. Just absolute. What are you doing, Steven? Um, and I loved it because uh, Kate coming bringing down the hammer is awesome to watch. She comes in um, hot. She's very small, but she comes in way hot. She does, yeah. Um, and while she was bringing the hammer down, uh, Jesse <laughs> left the room, and she came back later and threw the books at me, and she said, "Here, read these." <laughs> wow. And I did. And on the spot, you sat there for like twelve hours straight and just twelve read hours them. straight. No, I I I took them home. I read every single one of them, and like back to back to back. I didn't stop. And I mean, once you you start them, you you won't if you have the option of continuing to the next book. You uh, won't excuse stop. me. If you have a soul, you won't stop. Yeah, that's true. Maybe you're a maybe a you're a Voldemort type. Uh, he maybe could stop. You start reading books, and you're like, oh. This is wearisome. I bet blah, Voldemort blah, blah. reads the book. I bet I bet that Voldemort reads the books and he's like, "Ugh, fake news." <laughs> <laughs> then he puts on his fake nose and his orange toupee and walks out from the White House. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I I, uh, I had read. Uh, I guess at that point that was up to the. Um, sixth book so I, I read all the way up to there and then uh, and that was so fortunate for me honestly I mean a lot of people had to like suffer for years waiting for each of those books and I, I only had to wait then for a little while 
for the seventh book to come out, but I did, I both pre-ordered it and then because I couldn't wait for it, stood in line at a bookstore to buy a copy. Um, yes. Yeah, and I, I, it was well worth it. <laughs> All of that. So as soon as you started reading the books, did you like really get into them? And you're like, oh my god, like the movies are just a, a pale glimpse into this universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, immediately, immediately it was like, oh, okay, there's so much more here than the movies are able to to go into. Wow. How about yourself, Ben? How did you get into the the Harry Potts? All right, so I'll tell you I'll tell you my story here. So. Uh, as as most of you listeners know, I was a I was a sheltered, homeschooled young man, mm-hmm. and uh, one of my first big exposure exposures to the public lifestyle was my my first job, which was working at the Walmart. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and while working at the Walmart, I uh, I encountered a a guy that I got to know by the name of Nick. Um, maybe you might have even known Nick. Nick was definitely the first, um, just outwardly homosexual person I ever knew. Because growing up back then, it was just like, I only know my family and a few people from church. So I definitely didn't know any gay people that I knew (laughs) of. (laughs) But you you did know where a large cachet of guns was, I'm sure, right? (laughs) Oh, absolutely so. And uh, so this guy Nick that I knew was the first kind of openly, and he was he was very flamboyantly uh, 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 gay and stuff. I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And I noticed I, I kind of became friends with him and stuff because he's a great dude. And several times in the break room, I would see him reading books, and he was reading like Harry Potter. And I was like, Hey, what is this Harry Potts? And uh, he's what about, you reading? Yeah, what you reading, homosexual Nick? And. <laughs> He was like, it's Harry Potter. It's about a magical boy just like me. That's awesome. By the way, did he really say that? Yes. <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> and bravo to Nick. We are both from Jefferson County. Yeah. Growing up, I knew kids that I know now are gay, and I knew then were gay, but they didn't like come out. It's it's real hard in such a small community. Absolutely so. To, to well, be especially able in the to fucking South, be yourself. Dude. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think, honestly, uh, um, a lot of the people I grew up with were more, more open-minded, maybe, than, than you might expect from people in the South, but it's still really hard, because uh, there are a lot of old people in the South yeah. that don't, they don't cotton to your new fancy ideas. No, and Nick was a really great dude. He's one of those guys that really kind of opened, I think, opened my eyes and opened my mind to a lot of things that I was not kin to. Uh, prior to that so cool dude so i saw him reading the books and stuff and he seemed to really like him and then whenever i got to know uh, my wife who was then uh, my girlfriend (laughs) (laughs) her that famous borat line uh, my girlfriend (laughs) it's it's somehow less funny (laughs) her and her whole family were just totally eat up with him they were all about it and this was probably about the time that i don't know this is probably like 2000 and one or so was the third book out by then maybe the third book was out around then um, I, I think it came out around the the movie yeah that we watched today came out in 2001 november I, I think the third one came around around then i'm not positive i think so too so her and her her sister jesse you mentioned and her mom were just all crazy about these books and stuff and going on and on about them so 
I was like, well, I'll give these a try. And uh, started reading them. And it, I think I read through the first book. I don't know, man. I'm trying to remember. I want to say I saw the first and second movies and then started reading the books, if I recall. And I was just immediately just totally in love with the man. Because you got to understand, yeah. dude, as like, okay, as a sheltered, super Christianized, mm-hmm. homes, homeschooled boy getting to yeah. read about this other Witches? boy. Yeah, dude. Okay, getting to read about this other boy who kind of identified as somebody who didn't really fit in at home, who mm. then got to go to a public school full of witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have to explain what the appeal of these no, was to me. You don't at all. I that was actually a big question I had for you is how much of this can you relate to um on none. on a experiential level and it's yeah it's none like um it, it's all it is all foreign even to the most most Americans because we don't go away to boarding schools etc right. but in England uh, it was uh for a long time a pretty common experience yeah. um and so a lot of people get it and, and Americans are smitten by it because the idea is like that, that would be kind of cool. You're away from your parents. You're just yeah. hanging out with other kids. Like that Dude, would be fun. Like the thing is, is that Harry Potter was at. It was the exact opposite of my experience because Harry was at school with all these people yeah. that he was not related to. Yeah. Meanwhile, everybody at my school, I was related to, meaning my brother. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, to me, to me. Harry Potter and the Hogwarts experience is kind of like the ultimate tale of what public school and atheism must be like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. So I was yeah. immediate, I was immediately just like totally engrossed by this. And I'll tell you, man, that's one of those things that that carries through with everything. Like any movie that's about being in high school. I fucking love because I'm like this seems so sick like when I watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off I just assume that's what high school is really like well I mean if you were cool yeah so it would not have been for me (laughs) I remember watching the first movie on on like DVD or VHS I guess and um, and then I I guess we saw the second one in theaters that actually might have been yeah that was the first one that I saw in theaters was the second movie and then we saw all the other ones in theaters. I have so many great memories associated with the days of going to see those movies yeah. or the days of going to the bookstore to get the new book just as it you know, debuted and stuff. Uh, the first I saw in the theaters was The Fifth, um, which is happens to be my favorite and is my really? favorite book. Yeah. Whoa. The fifth book yeah. and movie are your favorites? Yeah. We're going to have to get into that. Yeah, we will. Because it's weird. Anytime I tell people, and, and I think even if I told J.K. Rowling that my favorite is the fifth book, she'd be like, what are you talking about? Because even she has said that she was burnt out, she needed more editorial input, etc. Yeah. I actually think it reveals so much more than she may have wanted to go into normally. Huh, and there, yeah. There's so much more of the emotional side. Of what's going on, it's I, I love the fifth book, but it, that's for later. I can understand that. I can I can understand it, especially from from your perspective of being a, a literature kind of guy. Like yeah, the kind of just like fucking um, 
angst and emo sort mm-hmm. of stuff that's in the fifth book, it's so dead on. Like, I remember reading the fifth yeah. book and be like, oh, yeah, I remember when I was, you know, whatever, 15, yeah. and just fucking emotional about everything. She really does capture that extremely well. I think the thing people hate most about it is its effectiveness. It is effective in bringing you into that mood. And most people don't want to ever be in that mood. Right. And even like all the scenes where, you know, Umbridge does stuff that just makes your skin crawl. It makes you feel like you're 15 again or something. Yeah. That's true. So I can, I can see it on those, on those merits. I would say that my favorite, my favorite movie and book of the series. Ooh, that's hard to say. Like my first, my first guess for favorite book, I want to say is, is, um, Goblet of Fire, the fourth one. Uh huh. That's a real good one. I really love it because there's there's so much going on, mm-hmm. and it's kind it of, is it's kind of at that apex. Action. Yeah, and there, there's it's kind of like at that apex of the early books were very fun and whimsical, and then the later books obviously get very dark and dramatic and stuff. The fourth one mm-hmm. is kind of right at that apex where it's fun. Yeah. There's these new schools. There's this Triwizard Tournament. And then it also is kind of dark and serious too. It's some of the, the turn. Yeah, yeah, it's the turn when Cedric Diggory dies. Shit gets real. I mean, yeah. it's it's Spoilers. not exactly it's not exactly that we all cared about Cedric Diggory. It's that a child was just killed. It just <laughs> like, kind of reveals where the stakes are. Yeah, like suddenly it's like, oh no, Voldemort's not just like, oh, he's like Hitler, like that, like quotes of Hitler where people like. We have in our mind, we have this, like, projection of Hitler that's just, like, evil, but we forget about the actual, like, killing of innocence. Yeah. And that's what, Vold- that's, like, what happens at the end of 4 that, like, reminds us, like, no, Voldemort is fucking evil. Like, right. He, he will just kill a child. He doesn't care. So that's probably my favorite book. Um, my favorite movie... I've seen the first one more than any of them for sure. Um, the first one I've seen so yeah. fucking many times. It's um, been around the longest. <laughs> there's that. There is that. Yeah. I really love the fourth movie too, even though it's wildly inaccurate to the book and stuff. I still really enjoy watching yeah. it. My my wife absolutely hates it, and it's uh, um, it's one because I hadn't read the book before it. That I like the movie. I think the movie works well. Yeah. Um, I do see exactly. Yeah, what you're saying is it, it's it it's cuts out so much from the book, but it's a good movie. So in addition to the to the movies in the book, okay, just just to clarify, you have watched all the movies and read all the books, correct? Oh yeah, a million times. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Same here. So other than that, outside of that, what what has been your experience with the extended Harry Potter universe? Have you been to the the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, and also have you visited the Pottermore website and been sorted into your house and shit like that? I have visited the Pottermore website a million times. I uh, took I took all the quizzes. I took the the exams. What's your house, things. bro? My house is Ravenclaw, bro. Oh, right here, man. Me too. Awesome. Fuck yeah. Um, I haven't been to the theme park and it's almost inexcusable because it is eight miles away from me wow it, it's eminem's movie away from you it is as <laughs> as you ride there you couldn't even listen to the entire eight mile soundtrack that's that that's, really yeah that that really speaks in volumes right there <laughs> um i have been i have been to the wizarding world of harry potter i've been to the one in florida butterbeer 
I have had some butter beer. I found it uh, sickeningly sweet. It's kind of like a cream soda <laughs> with whipped cream on top. A little too much. Yeah. Um, but if you got the old sweet tooth, it'll it'll get good to you. Um, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter is the best place I've ever been in my entire life, and I would actually like to have like my ashes scattered there when I die. It's the fucking best place in the world. Yeah. Um, rewatching this movie, I realized that like. What this movie gives you is exactly what people wanted out of the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, and everybody I know who's gone there said it, it gives you exactly that, and that is to just see all these things you've read about, like yeah. all these things you've had in your mind for years, to just see it. Like it's there, physical. It's not. Yeah. It's not entirely real, but it's it's real enough. And dude, the, the attention to detail is is so intense that it's kind of insane like whenever you're in the wizarding world areas whether you're over there you know checking out hogwarts and stuff or whether you're in uh, you know diagon alley or whatever they mm-hmm. even have like they have the walls of that area and the buildings and stuff the shops and everything they're built up tall enough that even when you look straight up like over the tops of the buildings you don't see the rest of universal studios um, you know what I mean? Wow. Like, they have everything built up yeah. tall enough to where you don't see the top of the Hulk roller coaster in the distance. To remind so you, you can fully you can fully escape yes. into the world. Yeah. It's completely immersive. That's exactly it. And man, it's the attention to detail is just nuts. So like one of the one of the rides that you can go on is uh, it's like Harry's Wild Ride or something like this. And it's a it's a really cool kind of sort of 3D ride that's in Hogwarts Castle. And, Hmm. I mean, legitimately, like, the coolest part about the whole thing is waiting in line. Because the line... Really? Yeah, because the line that you go through is Hogwarts Castle. And you start off, like, going through the greenhouses and stuff, and then you go through the interior corridors, and you go through, like, the Great Hall, and you go through the Gryffindor uh, common room and all this shit. So you see all of this... All these sets that you already know where you are. You know what I mean? It's like you see the Gryffindor common room. And you're like, huh. Oh yeah, I'm in the common room right now. Um, yeah. And they have like the the, the talking portraits and, and everything. And while we were there too, I don't know if this is something that they usually do. I just thought this was so fucking cool. So while you're standing in line, there's other people in line too that are fucking actors. And hmm. they're, they're wearing, like, there'll be one that's a tour guide that's wearing, like, Hogwarts school robes. And she's basically giving a school tour to two other actors, one wearing Durmstrang robes and one wearing uh, Bobaton robes. Huh. And they're, like, in line with you. And the tour guide, Hogwarts girl, is like, oh, this is the Great Hall. Here we see many portraits of former, you know, uh, I don't know, whatever, people who went to the school and yada, yada, yada. Just kind of like explaining what's going on, and like the you know the Durham strength student is like, "What is portraits?" <laughs> Shit like this. It's it's just awesome. It's the attention to detail yeah. is is so immersive and so cool that it really is like being somewhere else entirely. Dude, even whenever you go into the bathrooms, like, and this is cool too because it was different. For Dumbledore's peeing. Dumbledore oh. is peeing. And dump, yeah. dump, well, what happens is if you're in a stall, you see Dumbledore's foot over there at the urinal, 
and he mm-hmm. sticks his foot under the stall and he taps twice to see if you know the yeah, signal. Yeah, they'll let you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've had, by the way, had that happen to me, and I, I wished that there was a signal back. No, but I support you. And I was just like, <laughs> okay, like I. I don't know how to signal back, like, yeah, I'm fine, whatever, that's cool. Uh, no, I, but I love you, know, you, but not like that. <laughs> not, not like that. I'm just trying to use the bathroom currently. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, if you're, in the, if you're in the men's room, I mean, it's the kind of thing that, you know, even under the sinks, like, under the fucking sinks, like, the, the pipes are, like, rusted yeah. and patinaed wow. and copper and... And then even while you're in the stalls, they have these really subtly hidden speakers that are like moaning Myrtle being like, oh, hello. (laughs) Wait, but does she sexually harass you? That would be awesome. Yeah. She's like, your penis is so small. No. But I mean, like, you know, in the movie, she, like, or in the she's book and the movie, pervy. she's real flirty. She's a like, real sexual. Like, she tries to get under the bubbles to see what's going on with Harry, and she it's like, hey, hold up, hold up, hold up. Yeah, especially when you factor in that she's actually like fifty or sixty something years old by then, and she's yeah. like, "Let me see that fourteen-year-old peen, Harry." <laughs> she, you know what? Look, she's stuck in that mindset. You know how ghosts are. They don't oh. learn anything. They can't go anywhere. Believing in them is stupid. I was uh, I was in the, I was in the bathroom and there was a little voiceover that went Harry Potter more like smooth Potter. <laughs> 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 and you could take you could take that as a joke or a compliment either way. Yeah, like, oh, smooth Potter. Like if you're. If you're a preteen, you're like, oh, well, they'll grow in. Or if you're like an older man, it's like, yeah, I take, I, you know, <laughs> keep keep it in order down there. So yeah, thanks. <laughs> it's it's totally cool though. Like if if anybody lives within eight miles of it, I recommend going to check it out. All right, you gotta lose yourself, I guess. <laughs> I want. I totally do want like my ashes scattered there though. It's the fucking coolest place in the world. It sounds awesome. Now Ben. It is. You had recommended an idea, and I think we should get into it. Let's let's give it a shot. That we take a BuzzFeed quiz to find out which Hogwarts house we belong in. Live. And We're coming at it live. I'm excited as hell about this, because first off, as we all know, BuzzFeed, 100% accurate. They've never been wrong. No, no, no. It's always 100% accurate. Um, I trust it with my life. Now, how would you like to do this? Uh, would you like to uh, read the uh, categories and answers out loud? Yeah, I want to do that and explain your answers and stuff. So just so everybody knows, if you just kind of like Google BuzzFeed Harry Potter, you'll get a bunch of different results. The one specifically where you're taking is called, which Hogwarts house do you belong in? So you could just Google that and then BuzzFeed and you'll probably find it. It's the first result, yeah. So the first question that we have here is, pick a candy... And we're given four choices. Chocolate frogs, birdie bots, every flavor beans, that's spelled with an O-U-R. With a U, yeah. For pretentiousness. Uh-huh. Uh, honeydukes, sherbet lemons, or a fizzy whizzy. Steve, where do you go on this? Ben, to me, this is no contest. Chocolate frogs. Uh, chocolate is the best. And yeah. I want those cards. Okay, yeah. How about you? That, that is the bonus of the chocolate frog is that you do get the card. Um, myself, I'm going for 
a Honeydukes Sherbet Lemon. I, I enjoy a, a sour candy. I don't have much of a sweet tooth as I get most of my sugars from alcohol these days. <laughs> um, and actually, I'm currently drinking the muggle version of um, Old Ogden's Fire Whiskey, which is to say Noah's Mill uh, Whiskey. Have you oh. ever had that? I have not had Noah's Mill. I unfortunately have moved to Los Angeles where we only get the widest uh, uh, spread bourbons and whiskeys. So, Dude, you're not in God's country. You're out there getting just dang J- Jake Danger every day, aren't you? Yeah, in East Tennessee, every week I'd just get a different bourbon. It was, it's, uh, it's, it was it's a real glorious situation, yeah. Noah's Mill is awesome. It's like 110 proof. It's fucking awesome. So, yeah, Honeydew Sherbet Lemons for me. I like it a little sour. Our next one is uh, Pick a Pet. And our options are a lizard, a dog, a cat, or a ferret. Now, I wonder why an owl is not included here. That would be a pretty pretty legitimate choice right there. Uh, perhaps yeah, a frog, what? too. I guess a lizard is kind of frog-like, but still, it's not really... Yeah. Um, what would you pick here, Ben? I'm going to go for a derg. I like a derg. Like yeah, a, that's... A, a lizard, you can't really... I, I like the low not of a lizard, but not yeah. really a fun companion. Cats shitting boxes in your house, that's weird. Ferrets are just for fucking weird people. Here's what I would say about this uh, this category is um, the easiest way to do this is to pick the pet you've picked in real life. Good choice. And I picked a dog. So As you have on the same one. page. Yeah. And uh, by the way, she has her own uh, Instagram account now. It's at Salem T. Boogins. That's B-O-O-G-I-N-S. <laughs> Dude, you have the whitest <laughs> dog of all time. We do. We seriously, she's, she, oh, whatever. She's so cute, though. So our next one that we have here is pick a class, as in a Hogwarts classroom class. And our choices are charms, potions, history of magic, and transfiguration. Now, this is actually probably one of the first, like, good questions that we have here. Charms. Yeah. Charms seems to be stuff like making shit float and things like that. Potions, yeah. pretty self-explanatory. History, magic, self-explanatory. Transfiguration is where you like transform rats yeah. into teacups and shit like this. Yeah, or eventually you become an animagus. Or that. Uh, yeah, so that's that's all cool. Honestly, it's it's tough to choose. Um, history of magic is an interest I have as as a muggle, but uh, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say charms. You're gonna charms me, huh? Yeah, I love the I love the show Charmed. So, oh yeah, that is a good. One. I'm actually gonna go ahead. I've got a little distracted here. I've clicked on the side story that's recommended for me. That is 15 big dick horror stories that'll make you quit sex forever. <laughs> that's what I've clicked. <laughs> on. <laughs> and again, we'd like to welcome our guests who are just looking for Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to welcome you to the second story, which is called The Vomit Brigade. <laughs> what? <laughs> My friend was hooking up with a guy that was so big oh, that no. while she was oh, no. him, no. she literally threw up every drink she had that night on him. <laughs> anyway. So, so that's the story that I'm going with. But I guess the class that I, <laughs> the class that I would pick, um, I'm going to go with, I think the idea of of uh, transfigurations, transfigurations. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah, it's super awesome. 
Uh, our next our next question is if your girl or if your friend cheated on a test, you would offer to help them study for the next one, offer to let them cheat off of your test next time, tell on them that's not fair, or ignore it. Now, um, I'd like to pretend that this matters in the least bit to me, but uh, what do you say, Ben? I say I'm going to go with story number five, this jaw-dropping tale. I dislocated my jaw trying to give the blowjob once. <laughs> what? BuzzFeed! Oh, I'm on the, wrong, I'm on the wrong page again. <laughs> oh. <laughs> if my friend cheated on a test, I would... Um, I would ignore it. Like I, deep down, I'd be like that. You know, whatever. I don't. I, I really yeah. don't. I really don't care. As I, I get older, my sense of morality is becoming more gray. It is, which is weird. I mean, a lot of people tell me as you get older, you become more like hard line, like black and white. And I, I have not. become. I'm becoming so much more gray, but I also, I really, um, I, I would say i would nor ignore it but i actually i know i would offer to help them study because Aww. i i have uh i was a student for a very long time i i was a teacher for quite a while i uh cheating doesn't bother me but i i would want to help my friend i guess good call good call all right the next question that we have here is pick a color That's now this is very related to the Harry Potter universe, right? Yeah, oh, like intrinsically hugely related, especially with these choices: pink, purple, white, and orange. Clearly, the four yep. most important colors of the Harry Potter yeah. universe. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna say orange, and that's because orange is my favorite color, and that's it. I have no other reason. It's because go big, Orange, Tennessee. Ah, God, I, I always got accused of that. I actually love the color orange. And because I grew up in East Tennessee, it was always like, oh, because you love UT. And it's like, oh, well, no, I just like, like it's a cool color. Whatever with UT. It's I like a huge the color. problem. Like, I really want, I really want to have like a sick orange guitar, but it's like, I know everybody like, oh, yeah, it's big orange. And I'm like, fuck, no. Yeah, orange go Orange is off. a color beyond a football team. Fuck. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with purple. I really enjoy the color purple. Not just the movie. you love Prince? Because I fucking love Prince. Fuck yes. Yeah. Um, now, if you could only do one thing for the rest of your life, Ben, you would explore the world, start your own company, stay in school forever, you can never learn too much, right? Or start a family, ASAP. I'm gonna go with option number four, the ridiculous reveal. I hooked up with the guy who had the most enormous penis I'd ever seen. <laughs> Rather than chickening out, I grabbed the lube and attempted to make it fit. I have dysparania, a condition that makes sex very painful, and his dick ended up ripping the oh. lower part of my vagina, all a Jesus bird style. Christ. I had to have an epistos epi epis <laughs> episteotomy, which meant stitches from my Episiotomy. vagina to my ass. Oh, God. Jesus Christ. For So for sure, that's the one you're going to pick, though? I mean, it's... <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, if I could do one thing for the rest of my life, I would... Okay, let's see. Explore the world, start your own company, stay in school. You can never learn. I'm kind of torn between explore the world and stay in school forever because I, I do legitimately love learning and I love the scholastic environment because I didn't grow yep. up around it. Um, mm -hmm. I would probably say explore the world. I really love going places and eating cool food. 
Yeah, that's um, that's a tough one for me. I did stay in school forever and honestly didn't exactly want to leave. Yeah. But uh, I have also explored the world a bit and would love to continue doing it. So uh, it's a tough choice, but I would say stay in school forever. Sounds like uh, you could still take vacations, you know? Yeah. No? What right. is the next uh, little clue there? This next oh, there one that we so have so many to go. Pick a redhead. Yeah, remember that in the first, uh, like right after they they had them like line up to to like go to the sorting hat. They said right before that, just they picked four redheads. Just pick one. Go. <laughs> our our choices here are, I guess they're all of the Weasley. Uh, family here. We got Arthur, Fred, Ron, and Jenny. Now, here's the question. Yeah. Are we talking about pick a redhead to bone or a redhead to hang with? Yeah, that's a question I had. And either way, I'll be honest with you, don't want to bone any of them because the only times I've seen Jenny, she was an underage child. An underage um, child, yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm just not interested in guys. So I'm going to assume it's hang out with. I'm going to go with hang, and of, of these choices, I would totally hang with Fred all day, any day. Fred's the shit. Yeah, I like I like, uh, I like like Fred. I would rather hang out with Ron. He seems like a lot of the guys I <laughs> generally do hang out with. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, cool guy. Um, if you were going on a vacation, you would go to London, the wilderness, home to my family, or the beach. I would like it to go right near the beach, man. <laughs> um, you know what? I normally would say that, but because I now live close to the beach, I'm a little spoiled. I would prefer to go to London. Yeah, you'd like to go to jolly old England, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, how about your Patronus, Ben? Would your Patronus be a panther, a fox, a hedgehog, or a cat? My Patronus... Panther, fox, hedgehog, or cat. Damn it. Go ahead go ahead and answer yours. Let me think about that. I'm going to say fox, um, mostly because I, I feel like a panther is a little too strong, and the others are a little too weak. So you went with which one? Uh, fox. I mean, I really love looking at little pictures of baby hedgehogs, but... They're so cute. They yeah. are. But, like, a hedgehog has that spiny exterior. It seems unpettable. I'm going to go with yeah. Fox. I think a Fox seems like an intelligent, awesome. sly creature that does cool stuff. But it's still friendly. Although I know they're not. <laughs> All right. A Only chaser. three more to go. Steven, a chaser on your Quidditch team drops the quaffle, and there is no uh -huh. way they will be able to recover it. You answer one of these four. Get frustrated and yell at them. Let it go. You win some, you lose some. Be passive-aggressive about it after the game, or try to fight the referee on it. Now, is this, this is... I, I just don't even understand what the other answers are. I, I'm going to go ahead and say let it go. You win some, you lose some. Uh, as a person who grew up playing sports, I realize that losing is not the worst thing in the world, and it doesn't really matter that much. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that too because I don't give a fuck about sports. Like I, I've never, <laughs> I've never played an organized sport in my life. Uh, I've never really religiously participated in or watched any sports. So yeah, let it go. It's just a fucking ball. Who cares? 
Now, on a Saturday night, Ben, you can be found. Now, there are only four options here, mm. and none of them involve big dicks, so don't oh, give me any of that. Damn it. Um, at the movies or a concert, staying in with friends, bar hopping, uh -oh. or sleeping. Schlafen. I would say on a Saturday night, on a Saturday, I can probably be found at at the movies. Yeah, although it's kind of it's kind of honestly a cross between the first two because it's like at the movies with friends is typically the answer there. Yeah. So I'll go with at the movies. Typically Fridays are for staying in with friends for me. Now this is okay. This has been an issue for me for the past eight and a half nine years that uh, my wife and I have have been together. Mm -hmm. My wife works at a hospital. Her shifts change every week. Mm -hmm. I have either uh, taught classes uh, three to five days a week or been working from home. Yeah. So I'm going to assume Saturday night here is the night that my wife and I happen to have off. And generally what we do is stay in and watch um, television or movies and drink. So... I'm going to say staying in with friends. Good call. Good call. Yeah. Never a bad time. Now, this is the last one, and it's, I, don't know, I don't know what this determines. I think with these BuzzFeed quizzes, I've assumed that there's one question that determines like everything, and all the other questions are just to distract you. But your mom sends you a howler for something you didn't do wrong, Ben. Uh oh what do you do? Do you feel bad that you upset her? Are you embarrassed that everyone heard but don't really care that she's mad? Do you write her back to let her know she's wrong? Or do you say she's crazy and you're obviously right? Well, personally, I feel really bad about the first guy I ever gave a blowjob blow to that was so huge, both in length and girth. And I had braces at the time, and I was hesitant, yeah. but I assured him it would be okay. We yeah. took it slowly but he ended up uh -huh. with two bloody lines down his penis where yeah. some inside wires were protruding. To this day, yeah. I still wonder if he has scars. Mm. Yeah, that's just like the Luna Lovegood story from later in the books, yeah. But, I mean, that's that's not one of the options. Oh, so, oh right, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I would, um, <laughs> given, given, these, given that that was not one of the choices. Yeah. Uh, your mom sends you a how <laughs> I would, I would, I would say she's crazy, and that I'm obviously right. I'm kind of a shit like that, I guess. I, I would write her back to let her know she's wrong. Yeah, um, mom, no. Now, Buzzfeed says I'm a Gryffindor. Buzzfeed says that I'm a Gryffindor, and that I have the heart of a lion. I never give up, never back down, give everything a hundred percent. Good things happen to me because I fight for him. I stand it for myself and my friends because I believe in what is right. My energy is magnetic and makes me a natural leader. Watch out for them big dicks. It does say watch out for them big dicks at the end. How did Holy it know? Hell. Now, Ben, everyone heard us take this quiz. Yeah. And we selected in almost every question something different. Yeah, we did. And we got the same answer. I'm going to go ahead and say this. Now, listen, this is this is some hard-hitting journalism, folks. And listen, 
We're going to turn the tide of this podcast right now and call out BuzzFeed. <laughs> you listen to me, BuzzFeed. You think at WrestleMania you're going to come in here and tell me I'm a Gryffindor. Well, let me tell you something, Mean Gene. You're going to get a flying elbow from the top rope. <laughs> So we just took down BuzzFeed. You're welcome. <laughs> Dude, BuzzFeed is going to start sending us checks for the free pump promo for their website. You know, and this is this is really funny. No joke. Right before we started this, I was watching BuzzFeed videos. I love those BuzzFeed Holy videos. Holy shit, I was too. <laughs> Dude, Kate and I were totally watching. Like, I love the Try Guys. The Try Guys are the jam. Try Guys, yeah, they're great. I, I love Kelsey. Kelsey's one of my absolute Yo, favorites. Who's the best um, Try Guy? Yeah, uh, best try guy. I don't know. That's a tough one. Uh, it's an easy one. Motherfucking <laughs> Keith. All right. Okay. Look, I'm not going to disagree. Keith and them big teeth. That's my guy. Uh, yeah, we also love BuzzFeed Unsolved. It sounds like we're doing a BuzzFeed commercial. <laughs> hey, BuzzFeed. <laughs> if you want to do commercials on Dead and Lovely, call us at 555 uh, <laughs> Man, that was that was a that was a fun quiz, but according, that was epic. Yeah. According to the Pottermore official shit, I am a a Ravenclaw. Yeah, yeah, me too. I stand I stand by that. Yeah, me too. I yeah, whenever I read the books, I feel like yeah, that's what I would want to be in the the group of people that it, it just seemed like they're the nerds, like they're the kids that like just want to learn everything. And it's really surprising mm-hmm. to me that um, that Hermione isn't Ravenclaw. Yeah, I know, because she's so studious and so on that she seems like she would be. Yeah. Yo, has your has your wife taken the the Pottermore quiz? Yes, she's a Hufflepuff. You you married a Hufflepuff? I did. Holy They're shit. all the rest. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I married yeah. a motherfucking Slytherin. <gasps> oh, yeah. there's not a wizard that went bad that wasn't from Slytherin. I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's what they say, man. Uh huh. So, <laughs> Harry Potter and the Philosopher slash Sorcerer's Stone. Um, now, J.K. Just kidding, Rowling. Has That's what said, I call her all the time. I always say, yeah. "Just kidding, Rowling." <laughs> uh, old Joe has said that she wished she didn't give in to the American publishers who wanted to call it Sorcerer's Stone, and I agree with her. Yeah. Like, what's the difference? Like, nobody sees Sorcerer's Stone and they go, oh, I know what you're talking about. Right. Even though the the Philosopher's Stone does have an actual, like, history in, in uh, mythology and, you know, in, in real life, people seeking it out. Sure. Uh, this, this was directed by Christopher Columbus, who... Discovered is, America. Yes. He's associated with horror because he was a genocidal maniac. <laughs> Remember him? <laughs> That's the connection to our typical horror movie podcast themes yeah but uh actually chris columbus wrote gremlins um that and he he also wrote uh, the goonies um Mm. so he he kind of was good like uh, you look at just what he wrote and it's like yeah he could probably handle this he dealt with some dark material he also dealt with like just kids discovered the new world he discovered that the guy is interesting so they went back in time. They brought him back forward. Um, and they got the screenplay written by Steve Cloves, who actually wrote 
all of the screenplays except for the one for my favorite movie, the fifth one. Really? Um, okay, so so you're saying the guy that wrote the screenplays for all of them other than that was the same guy? Yeah, Steve Floves. He's that. involved in all the screenplays, yeah. Oh. Um, and that's because uh, J.K. Rowling really liked him when they first met. Uh, you have to remember that this movie was um, was sold and, and, and they started working by October, a year after the first book was released with just a thousand copies. So in Jeez. like in that year, Jake and, and we have to talk like there's there's the traditional story of she was like, you know, living on government assistance and things like that and having some trouble. But people often don't know she also was escaping an abusive relationship right. while she was working on this. Um she got this out to a thousand copies, five hundred of which were donated to libraries, and a year and a half later, this movie's being sold as a, a major motion picture. Could you imagine being the piece of shit that was on the other end of that abusive relationship and like seeing her career skyrocket and being like, I used to fucking abuse her. That's pretty sick. <laughs> like what a piece yeah. of garbage. Uh, Fuck you. She would come home and I'd be like, where's the dinner? Uh, et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What boy, a piece of shit. Boy, governor. Yeah, yeah, he's probably talked like that, I imagine. Um, he's a fucking shit. What an idiot. An yes. Another interesting fact, though, about Steve Cloves that I think you'll find interesting is that he has, since 2011, been attached as the writer and director for the film adaptation of The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. They're doing a movie version? Uh, apparently, but nothing is. there's been no like real big development since then. So, so true, true story, sure. like, just... Just the other day, mm -hmm. my my wife and I went to Nashville, Tennessee, to watch the um, uh, touring Broadway production of The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. And I'll tell you what, it was fucking awesome. Holy shit. The book the book is crazy. Have you read that book? Yeah. It's rad. And the Yeah. The play conveys so so much of the monologue in such clever ways. Uh, oh, you would love it, dude. If it if it comes around your neighborhood, you gotta go see it. It's I'm sure awesome. it has. Yeah, I I should check it out. Um, so uh, beyond that, this movie is just filled with British actors that uh, when I when I looked up their filmographies and and started realizing like, oh, I had seen most of these actors um, just a few years before the Harry Potter movie. And, and they were already ingrained in my head by the time I watched this movie. So I watched this, and then I think back to the things that they've done or they did in the future. And oftentimes, this, these movies me created this theory in my head that we, we all, when we watch TV and movies, have this amazing ability to see Alan Rickman in love actually and then not and not see snape like to yeah. to see maggie smith in downton abbey and not see professor mcgonagall oh, so yeah. i th i started thinking how interesting it would be if you took the stories like the harry potter movies and you just replaced each of the actors with a character they've played if <laughs> snape was suddenly uh, you know Hans Gruber Hans from Gruber. Die Hard. <laughs> yeah, 
if Daniel Radcliffe was uh, the the corpse he plays in the Swiss Army Man, like, <laughs> oh. in a, like, like if you just replaced them all with characters they've played and other stuff, um, that'd be really funny. I um, actually really like Rupert Grant, and um, I think in the fifth movie is where he becomes his most charming. Like he he it's really true. does. He really does like get into the character of of Ron and one of the things I read about the kids when they they brought him in uh, Chris Columbus asked them to like write a uh, sort of a, a backstory of their character and the oh, thing that yeah. really the thing that really cemented Rupert Grint as as Ron was he said I didn't do it Ron wouldn't do it Yeah and meanwhile like Hermione like turned in like a damn three-page essay. Yeah, because Emma Watson is Hermione. She's yeah. fucking amazing. She's yeah. fucking awesome, dude. She's a great person. Now, this movie, HP and the gang in The Two-Faced Professor. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it starts with the the music that will forever be associated with Harry Potter, right? The John like, Williams Harry Potter score. It is John Hedwig's theme. It? Yes, John Williams, Hedwig's theme. Yeah, it it plays throughout every movie, no matter what the composer is, and it's great. It's amazing. And the cool thing is, is again, if you go and visit like the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, you know, at Universal, they're constantly like pumping the cool themes that you like, the Diagon Alley theme and uh, Hedwig's mm-hmm. theme, and just all all the stuff, man. It's like as soon as you hear two notes of any of those pieces, it puts you directly into that world, into that universe. I fucking love the soundtracks to these. Um, I've actually heard some criticism to the soundtracks because apparently John Williams was working to the score on this at the same time that he was working on the score to Phantom Menace. Oh, And there's apparently some similarities, um, but I don't fucking care. Yeah, that would be like if you found some similarities between, like, I don't know, the Beatles' Revolver album and a McDonald's commercial. It would be like, I don't okay, I don't care about the McDonald's commercial. <laughs> like, who cares? Yeah, yeah, it's like, and what? I don't care. Soundtrack is fucking beautiful. <laughs> now, typically, typically on our show, again, for first-time listeners that are maybe uh, listening to this uh, for the first time here, we typically kind of go through a, a movie sort of scene by scene and kind of kind of break it down and stuff. But odds are here in 2017, if yeah. you're listening to a Harry Potter-related podcast, you probably already know the entire story. So we don't necessarily need to break it down scene by scene for you guys because I would, I would guess that you've probably already seen this movie by now. I'm guessing. Yeah. And there, there are major plot elements that really need to be discussed, but a lot of these, uh, this is this movie is essentially the first book. There's hardly anything cut out. There's um, very, uh, yeah, you're you're right because the first book is very short. It's only what 250, 300 pages or something like that. Yeah, and this is a two and a half hour movie. It's so. a long fucking movie. It's got everything, but the the major things that I noticed in watching it again this time and in, in taking notes was that so much of what happens in the seventh book slash seventh movies um, is is this, like, closing 
what was opened in the first book oh, slash definitely. movie. There's so much stuff yeah. here that seems... And that's one of the things that makes me so happy about the series. There's so many things that seem so insignificant that come back later and are very significant. Just just some objects that are so significant. The Deluminator. Yeah. The, the invisibility the cloak. Yeah. Yeah. The the golden snitch Absolutely. that Harry catches the first time. And um I I guess we would have to include Harry's wand. Yeah. Because the discussion about Harry's wand doesn't make a ton of sense until the fifth book or right. sixth book. Like sixth, way yeah. later. Yeah. But there, there's so much presented here in this early on that it makes you think like, oh, J.K. Rowling must have had it all planned out from the beginning. I wonder about that kind of thing. Because like she says... I've read some interviews with her where she said that she, she basically had like you know the beginning and the end... Yeah, she had the final chapter already written. So we she already knew that it was going to end on, you know, platform nine and three quarters and who was with who and what relationships had been strained, etc. So let me ask you a question. What do you think about the casting of this movie as far as like our main players and even some of our bit players and so on? I'm I'm going to always be biased because I saw the movies first. I oh, think it's perfect. Right. Yeah, so like I when, when I'm reading, reading the books, you are seeing those characters. Yeah, I'm imagining the actors. So for me, it's just like yeah, they fit fine. Um, How about yourself? What do you think? I I would tend to agree with that. Like, cause cause really, I don't know. I guess I guess there's a few that I could contend a little bit. Um, the casting of the main three kids is fucking perfect. Um, McGonagall, absolutely perfect. Oh God, yes, Maggie Smith. All right, any what, day. So. What do you think about the the opening kind of sequence of the movie? I um, really like the opening sequence. I it's different than the book. The book starts off with Mr. Dursley going to his office at Grunnings and seeing owls and people in cloaks and shit like this. Yeah. But the movie starts with the flashback about the night that Dumbledore brings Harry to the Dursley's house after the Voldemort you know kills his family and so on. Yeah, the movie wisely starts with the magic. Yes, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, because the book does start in the real world. Yeah, and the the thing about books is that generally the person consuming a book is more patient than the person consuming a movie. Um, and as someone who has a degree in literature, I'm going to go ahead, controversial, and say this. Movies are better. Uh-oh. They're better. They got more going on. There's far more to get out of them. Anyway. Uh-oh. Uh, so, yeah, the that opening scene, we learn, like, so much already, but we don't learn anything. We just see, like, uh, this guy who's obviously dressed like a wizard and then a woman who uh, changes from a cat into an, a, a woman and then a guy who comes flying in on a motorcycle with a baby. Like, as a person... Uh, who watched this movie without having read the book, it was immediately draws you in because it's like, oh, there is a whole world here I don't understand. Right. Um, and so I, I think it was the best way to start the, the movie for sure. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. And, and, and honestly, it's like, again, even though I absolutely adore the book series and stuff, there's several things that you can read in the first and even partially of the second book where the the narrative tone and certain elements of the story and stuff like this are 
I don't know. They're, they're definitely very telling of someone who's writing their first book and writing their first story and so on. Yeah. And um, it's, it's interesting to know. I mean, because she, she went to school for uh, classics and mm. French. Mm-hmm. And to just imagine that we're, we're talking about somebody who's uh, running for their life and she's uh, able to combine these things that she loves she has said uh in the past that she obviously based this off of some classic mythology etc sure off of you know other tales throughout uh of of different like supposed wizards and supposed like you know uh potion makers throughout history and also that she was very interested in the x-men which is what this is yeah this is the x-men like this, this, this is the X Men. Like this is Professor it, X. It kind and of the is X-Men. though, because there's like, oh, people born with powers that they can't explain. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, huh? Yeah, and and there are two sides. The, the one side is that we should try to get along with humans, and the other side is Conquer we should humans. rule them. Yeah, but she, she certainly does something with it far different than what happens in the X Men. So, um, she she took her the things she loved and the things that inspired her and and made this story that i feel like what happened was she wrote this story and with the ambiguities in it she was like if someone will pay me i can come back in and and make all this make sense but until then i want it to be a mystery and that mystery is what hooks you it's what hooks you in you're like what is all of this that's going on? There's so little explanation. Which I, I like that in stories. Like there, there's a certain, yeah. and it's really a fine line to kind of toe where it's like there's a certain amount of ambiguity that I think is wonderful in storytelling. Yes. Like I like not knowing why Michael Myers killed his family. You know, yes. killed his sister, I should say. Like I, I like that. Um, but then there's other times where in a story, you know, there's information left out, and you're like. There, this is just a blatant hole in the story. I don't know what's happening. This is bad storytelling. I like that fine yeah. line of like, there's there's something I don't know and it's keeping me watching. Like, I think about some of the things in this first movie that end up playing very big throughout the series. And I realize that like, I guess I just hope this. I hope as someone who also writes fiction that she wrote the story just as a way of like getting the story out and let those things sit and then came back to them and was like, okay, how do I make this make sense? I, I wonder about that kind of thing too. Cause there's so many things in here. Like even, you know, even like here at the opening of the movie where it's his brother Dursley's, uh, uh, Dudley's birthday. Dudley, yeah. And they go to the zoo, and then Harry ends up talking to the snake. And then, like, in the uh-huh. second book, she ends up explaining that, oh, it's it's parcel tongue, where you can talk, talk to snakes and yeah. so on. And it's the most important element of the second book. Yeah, and then it yeah. ends up being very important later because it turns out Voldemort is also a parcel tongue, and that's part yeah. of their connection between each other. Like, and that, yeah, that's actually where he gets it from. Yeah, <laughs> like, and it's like I wonder how much of that stuff was, like you said, it's like she just thought, oh, it'd be cute if he talked to a snake at the zoo because he's yeah. magical. And then she goes, uh-huh. oh wait, hang on, this story's a little deeper than that. 
why would he talk to a snake? Oh, okay, this is a magical skill, and so on. Um, mm-hmm. I think that kind of thing is cool. Yeah, it's it's my primary creative uh, like way of going about it. I like to write things and then go back and try to make it make sense in my head. Like just, I I I would say anybody out there who's creative but also suffers from anxiety, the hardest thing in the world to do is put anything down. It's right. not it's it's not thinking about it. We can think about it constantly, but putting anything down. Because you want to think ahead of time about everything and, and try to have everything make sense immediately. But what I think she did here, and I think the best way to do it, is to write everything you're thinking down and then go back and try to make it make sense. Right. Um, I do that so same you, thing while I'm writing tunes a lot. Yeah. So you, you get things like Neville standing up to them. And then later you find out Neville could have been Harry Potter. Yeah, exactly. Like he could have been the fucking baddest one of them all. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, you, you get these small little things that then you can develop into much bigger things. Because you can make everything make sense if you try. Like, I'm if you really you. put... Yeah. Like, it's all the same songwriting-wise. Like, I mean, you're, you're talking yeah. from a literary sense. I'm talking from a songwriting sense. It's completely the same thing. It's totally the same. You can make an accident sound like something that makes sense if you continue to flesh it out and develop it more. Yeah, and this this is something that I feel like I, I, I'm fully ripping this off, I would assume, from Dan Harmon. I don't know that he's ever said these exact words, but... But basically, creativity itself is magic to neurotypical people. Like, people... I've always been perplexed by this. I've I've always had a lot of creative friends, and I've always been perplexed by the friends we then have who aren't creative, who are amazed by just the ability to to come up with something off the top of your head sure absolutely it's like magic to them it's like how do you do the same way that like you and i are completely amazed by people who can catch a ball that is flying through the air towards (laughs) because i cannot how do you do that what your hands are so big yeah they were out there and they (laughs) caught the thing that was coming towards you and you you reacted so quickly how Yeah, so like, um, I I think like that's the beauty of that. I think that's what people really like. There's so much that people buy into with Harry Potter, but I think that the base level is that it's like, I feel different than other people. I I want to fit in somewhere, and it's like, oh well, there's this whole castle off in the middle of nowhere where all of you people can just fit in together. Dude, totally, absolutely so, man. That's, I think, a huge amount of the appeal. Even there, though, there are assholes. <laughs> yeah, there's still fucking assholes everywhere. So after that intro scene where you see Harry getting dropped off on the doorstep, and you see, also, P.S., you see a scar kind of disappear and reappear a couple times in that scene. Little, yeah. Little film, full film flub. That's when we <laughs> go to, to, to Harry in present day, and he's living with... Uh, the Vernon, Dursleys. Petunia, and Dudley, his aunt, uncle, and cousin, and it's Dudley's birthday, yeah. and they go to the zoo, and Harry talks to a snake, and uh, Dudley ends up getting like locked behind the the cage, and yada yada. The Dursleys are terrible. 
there's there's no real redeeming quality to them except that they don't murder Harry. Like, that's it. The only difference between them and and any other child abuse to murderer is that they don't murder him. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's it. Harry starts getting his letters to come to Hogwarts and stuff like this, and the Dursleys want to, to like, hide it and keep it from him, which, okay. Why would they want to keep that from him? Okay, I kind of of understand in a way, because if he goes to Hogwarts, that means that he's out of the house, like, you know, eight months out of the year or something. You'd think they'd be kind of stoked about that. Yeah, you would think that, but what we learn is that Petunia is she has held this grudge for so long that her sister was more special than she was. Yeah. She's held this grudge for so long that not only does she not want uh Lily's child to be happy, she wants to keep him locked up and tortured. Right. Like what what Pretty is cold. this? There's no, there's, like, even if you read all seven books very closely, there's something fucking wrong with Petunia. (laughs) There's something very, very wrong with her. Like, there's something so wrong with her. And then the the men, men, uh, the Tubbalard and his son that are with her are so, like, weak that they can't just be like, hey, why are you torturing a child? Yeah, especially like a, I, a blood relative child. Yeah, I just don't get it. These are bad people, and it, it, this is this is why, like, rewatching this, I was like, this is a horror movie. It's just with a light <laughs> tone. Because that's, that's seriously, the funny thing is like, because I've seen this movie, you know, again since probably like two thousand one or two thousand two, but yeah. Watching it for this podcast, and th- this is part of why I really enjoy doing this podcast and watching movies that I've yeah. seen a million times before, but then watching them with the, you know, the mindset that oh, let's analyze this and pick it apart. It was yeah. really like watching this movie again for the first time. Yeah, I mean, if you told me there was a movie full of witches where a child is locked under the stairs, I'm mean, gonna go ahead and say that's a horror movie. That's not fucked up. It's not a children's movie for sure. There's a line there Uh, at the first where like they're getting all the letters and stuff, and there's just some assorted mail, and um, I think it's Petunia says like the best line. It's the most British line ever. Or no, I think it's actually (laughs) Vernon says it. He says, "Aunt Marge is ill. Ate a funny whelk." Ate a funny whelk. <laughs> what? So British. So British. Um, so basically what happens is they torture and torture and torture him until um, they try to hide from these owls so much that they move to a lighthouse. Where That's the fuck dedicated is that place? They, it's like a shack I don't know. on an island in the middle of the ocean. They, they're so dedicated to this child never being happy. That they'll sacrifice their own happiness? I don't get it. And while they're out there at the shack is when we get Hagrid shows up to hand deliver Harry his uh, his invitation to Hogwarts on his birthday. And, of course, the yeah. Dursleys freak out and stuff, and they're trying to, like, keep uh, Hagrid from uh, being there and stuff. And there's that awesome... Okay, let me ask you if you saw this. So... Um, Dudley is, like, eating Harry's birthday cake and stuff. 
and then Haggard like shoots him with his umbrella wand and gives him a tail, right? Uh-huh. Did you notice that in the scene where Dudley is like running around with his little pigtail hanging out, there's like this really weird and it's in the background, but there's this really weird fucked up looking stand in for Robbie Coltrane's Hagrid in the background? No. Dude, go back and watch it. I, I noticed it like <laughs> years and years and years ago. But like during that scene, after he gives him the tail, there's this weird fucked up looking stand in for Coltrane. Is it like a person or is it just like a It's a person, but it looks it's a person, but it looks so wrong. Like go back and watch it. You'll be kind of <laughs> weirded out. Because it's almost like a weird like it's like a weird fever dream version of Robbie Coltrane. Okay. It's fucked up. Go go back and watch it. You'll be like, holy fuck, how did I notice that? Because it doesn't look anything like him. Like it's just a big guy with long hair and a beard. And <laughs> with like no physical acting whatsoever. It's really fucking strange. Just standing there. Yeah, yeah. I mean really it is. Uh, go back and watch it. That's when Hagrid takes Harry Potter back to London to like go to the Leaky Cauldron and shit. It's hard to skip any of this, but we really should because this isn't the story. No, they they go they go to Diagon Alley. If you've never seen it, watch it. Read the books. If like, you've never come seen on. it, fuck yourself. Yeah, they go the 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 everything is important in this scene yeah. when when you think of everything to come. But as far as the movie goes. There's not a lot of story here except Harry's going to Hogwarts. I really like that as they go into like the the leaky cauldron and stuff, which is kind of the wizard sort of hangout in the middle of London yeah. that muggles don't really see. Mm -hmm. they, they go in there and apparently based on the style of everybody in there, like wizards kind of peaked at robes. They never really moved on to like, <laughs> you know, shirts with buttons and pants. They were like, no, yeah. no, no, this is fine. We'll stay here. Which is, which is maintained throughout the books, but very fortunately is not maintained throughout the movies. Uh, one, once they start dressing normal. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, kind of in the later movies, they start kind of wearing more yeah. proper school uniforms and stuff. Yeah. But, okay, here's the thing. is like the whole aesthetic of Hogwarts and the Wizarding World is this very decidedly, like, kind of Renaissance or Elizabethan kind yeah. of look, right? Yeah. Okay, why do they have a fucking train that takes them to the school? Steam power train. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah why isn't it a horse carriage? Or yeah. Like, I wanna, like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, but you know what? I don't give a fuck because this, this is the best I story don't either. I don't either. Like, so much of it, it's like, yeah, like, what? why? I mean, there are a million questions I have, and no matter how many times J.K. Rowling is like, answered the internet question, it's like, no, that's bullshit. Yeah. The internet, uh, the uh, TV, the radio, they're all better than whatever it is that wizards are using. Why aren't wizards using them? It's stupid. But as a clever kind of thing though, like she did kind of go back and rectify that this whole story takes place in like the early mid 90s, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, uh, there there is a period where the internet should have existed and it doesn't in yeah. in the wizarding world. But also she because that she doesn't deal with technology at all, you don't really think about it in reading the books. You no. never think about where's the TV, where's the you know what what's going on here. Um, but yeah, there's there's some issues that I that I'm glad 
she was able to avoid in the books. But in the movies, you start to think like, okay, there are cars, there are all these things. Like, what are these wizards doing? Just get a gun and shoot Voldemort. <laughs> I know. I've thought that so many times. How, how is he going to stop it? Yeah. He can't. There's no stopus bulletus that you can say like before a bullet comes because that's how long you, <laughs> you couldn't even say stopus bulletus within the time it took a bullet to get to you. So, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I guess the, the next thing that we see is that Hagrid takes Harry to Diagon Alley and he buys the school supplies and he sees that like o- over there in. Um, uh, Gringotts, which is the wizard bank, his his parents uh-huh. have left a bunch of money, and then Hag- Hagrid has to make a super secret stop to Vault Seven One Three to pick up something out of a little yeah. Brown now that and that is this story. That yeah. is what this book is about. Is is that? So he's pulling something secretive out of the vaults, which turns out to be the Sorcerer's Stone, which can uh, turn any metal into gold. But for some reason, that's not like the big element of this but also can create the elixir of life which will keep keep you living that's a side that's a side perk yeah here here he gets his wand from john hurt that's great great scene john hurt's great uh r.i.p um but oh, that the, sucks, the, again man. yeah that's right yeah, it does. i forgot about that harry yeah. destroys his entire shop trying to find a wand i imagine as a shopkeeper it mm-hmm. must be really annoying to get these like pre prepubescent teens coming in trying to find the right wand and like just fucking destroying your shop every fucking time. Because you got to think like every Hogwarts class, there's like hundreds of kids coming in, right? Yes. Are they all wrecking shit like Harry did? Yeah, that's what I'm gonna say. I I would think it would be like a gun shop where they have like a firing range. Or yeah. it's like okay, now try this. In like, this controlled shoot. environment. Yeah. Not not just in my shop. Let me lay this on you. Maybe you noticed Play. this. Maybe you didn't. The entire first movie, Harry Potter, brace yourself, mm-hmm. never casts a single spell the entire movie. Um, Let me tell you then. <laughs> Harry Potter, 100% in all of the wizarding world, is the worst wizard. Yeah, he's completely he's the subpar. worst. Yeah, he's terrible. Subpar. He doesn't care at all about learning. He's no, not he interested doesn't. in becoming a great wizard, etc. And we'll find out when the Sorting Hat is on him. The Sorting Hat tells him that he could be great in Slytherin or Ravenclaw. Yeah, but he refuses that because he doesn't want to be great. He wants to have friends. Now that's a wonderful lesson to learn yeah but hitler of uh, the hitler of wizards is out there you need to get on your shit harry potter what the hell i'm gonna become good at riding a broom remember how well that served uh hedwig in the seventh book you're riding your fucking broom none of that is helpful he's the worst fucking wizard and it is a genius point from J.K. Yeah. Rowling, by the way, 
to I, make I him the worst wizard. Because I feel like everybody else would have made him like you know top of the class, fucking yeah. Oh, he's a natural, yada yada. He's not. A he's natural. great at everything. Yeah, he's, he struggles with everything. Yeah, and and Ron and Hermione serve as like his angel and devil on his shoulders. Like yeah. Hermione's wow. the yeah, one. Yeah, like, really. Yeah, Hermione's the one who's like, you need to do this. You need to really work at it because you could be so good. And Ron's the one who's like, hey, man, you know, just people love you. Just be loved. Yeah. That's a really good point. Harry and Ron end up, in the end, basically being Ghostbusters. Like, they're basically, <laughs> they're just cops. And and. I'm not going to diss cops because I have friends who are police officers, but cops, a lot of cops are the dumbest kids you know in high school. Yes. So he and Ron end up being cops. The most famous wizard ever ends up being just a cop. Um, <laughs> and, and that, that again, I think is a genius move by J.K. Rowling to, to be like, this book is not about the best wizard of all time. It's not about somebody this, special. It's not about somebody special. It's about somebody who is thrust into being special. Yeah. Absolutely so, man. I think that's what makes his stuff so so relatable on such a universal mm-hmm. scale. I mean, obviously, goddamn, the books have sold fucking millions of copies. And, yes. And the movies have made billions of dollars. Yeah. And it's because so many people can relate to him because there's so many unexceptional people out there like Harry. And it's not really even put that... It's not even really put out there on Front Street through the books that Harry is fucking average. Like, it's not really out there. Yeah. But I think as as a reader, you read that and you're like, oh, yeah, I didn't make great, you know, uh, tests on scores and stuff like this either. Scores on tests. Blech. Yeah, the average person wants to read that. They want to read that, like, you know, there's 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 something special maybe about each person there's something only you can do and maybe what only you can do is save the world but after that not be anything like amazing like you you you're there for that moment and that moment only and after that you're just a regular person um so yeah i think it's a really cool move but it's also real frustrating as you go throughout because you're shown (laughs) his perspective predominantly and it's just like harry why are you so lazy just fucking read what Apply is wrong yourself with fuck yes go go down to the go down to the the infirmary and get some wizard adderall and <laughs> fucking work <laughs> so the the next thing that we see there is harry goes to platform nine and three quarters and the weasleys help him yeah get on board the Hogwarts Express, which is really fucking cool. And he and Ron get a cabin together in the in the in the express there and Harry buys some snacks. Yeah, this is a real cool scene, I think, because what you have to always remember and what I think why Harry leans more Ron than he does Hermione is because he is he connects with Ron better. Yeah. They both grew up poor. Ron grew up with a loving big family Harry did not. But Harry now has all this money that he can use to help Ron, who's not used to having money. So, like, that. And Ron has all this family he can use to help Harry, who's not. That he can use to help Harry. So it's like they they, kind of complete each other, don't they? They do, yeah. And then Hermione comes along. uh, And by the way, I mean, she's she's my favorite character throughout. I always 
feel like I understand Hermione. I was always the kid in class, and I imagine you probably were too since you were the only kid in class, raising my hand. I was always the one, Dude, like, I, I got the answer. I, I married Hermione. Like, my wife is Hermione. Yeah. She, she's fucking the same. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I watch these movies, and I don't see why anyone's annoyed by her. I don't get it. Fuck it's no. like, like, if you're sitting in the class, and someone does have the answer, and you don't have the answer, how's that skin off your nose? Like, fucking, like, just relax. Like, I don't have to do anything. They got it. I love that line while Harry and Ron are in the cabin, and... Again, some of the lines in here that are just so decidedly British crack me up. Where mm-hmm. Ron has Scabbers, his pet rat, and uh-huh. uh, Peter Pettigrew. Yes, exactly. And he says, uh, "I think it's Fred. Fred's give me a spell as to turn him yellow, as, as to, to turn, turn him, him yellow, yellow." <laughs> and it, it's not a spell, obviously. Like uh, this is the cool thing, though, is because we haven't like seen a spell. Like we've seen people perform spells, but. They were, like, grown wizards who didn't have to say anything to perform it. Yeah, um, and he's like, oh, fucking something-something buttermellow turned this stupid fat rat yellow. Just fucking yeah. corny, corny shit. It doesn't work. Yeah, and it's like, oh, shit, is that what spells are going to be like from now on? But they're not. And they're Hermione, nothing like Hermione that. comes in, and she's like, oh, you're doing some magic. Show us then. And she's like, you've got some yeah. dirt on your nose there. Just there. Did you know <laughs> it? Awesome. I, I t- to remember, though, it's important to remember, she had already written that final scene. So, in this scene, it's already in J.K. Rowling's head, Hermione and Ron are going to end up together. Yeah. Um, and they they seem so opposite. Hermione cares. She, like, works hard. She's, she's like, trying to, to, like, make people happy around her. And Ron, he just goes with whatever. Yeah. And so they they get to the school and stuff. And McGonagall explains, like, the houses and stuff. And she's like, and Slytherin, like, as if there's something bad about that. Uh, Yeah. And then this is the, this is an important moment where um, Milo. Oh, uh, sorry. Sorry. His name's not Milo, is it? It's Milo. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) It's Milo. Is it Milo? Draco Milo. If anyone's listening right now who cares about this, Milo is Malfoy. Milo Malfoy. Your little the guy you care so much about. He's just a fucking actor. He's a little goddamn piece of shit boy who thinks that muggles are the problem. Oh and these damn mudbloods. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Jesus. I can't believe I never thought of that. Yeah, yeah but that's the thing is that Milo comes after Malfoy. So he was watching these movies because he's not, he's his, he, his age is that he was watching these movies and he was like, oh, if I act like Malfoy, I can get all these idiots to give me a lot of fucking money for speaking engagements. Oh anyway, I don't want to get. Uh, this is about Harry Potter and not the alt right. Oh, wait. <laughs> It's absolutely about the alt-right because that's what these books are about. Yeah, it really is. Because if you're listening right now and you're alt-right and you like Harry Potter, you're a fucking moron. (laughs) Yeah. You work for Voldemort. If you like the X-Men and you're alt-right, you're fucking stupid. (laughs) You're stupid. There's so many, like, uh, so many things that we all grew up on and it's like, how do you come to a point where you're like, yeah, but aren't we a little bit better than everybody else? Ugh, no! Fuck. No, you're not. 
Oh my Jesus God, Christ. Dude. Go join ISIS. Honestly, I wish they would join ISIS. That would be nice. <laughs> like, <laughs> just get together. Maybe talk out your feelings. Realize, like, oh, we get we get along with some Muslims, the ones that want to kill everybody. Oh, we're wait, because we're psychopaths. Holy yeah. shit. That's so on the that's so on point, dude. Yeah, but so yeah, they, they didn't have the sorting, which Honestly, is a big, big deal. Yeah. But the way it's played in the scene is a less big deal than it was in the movies, right? There's like, a f- there's a few things like in that, the books. especially towards the end of this movie, where there's things that are a very big fucking deal that are just yeah. kind of skimmed over a little bit. Yeah, because Harry has this whole debate with the Sorting Hat about how he could be great in in uh, Slytherin and so on. Yeah, and we also see um, Alan Rickman for the first time, which is a treat. Some of the Alan best Rickman's... casting in the whole series. Alan, Alan yeah. Rickman, R.I.P. as Professor Snape. I imagine that when he was cast that J.K. Rowling told him, like, look, you're protecting Harry. Because there's no way through the scripts that he would get he's supposed to really be protecting Harry. But yeah. from the first moment you see him, he... Um, Harry and, and his friends are suspicious of him, but what he is doing is looking at Quirrell, who is the actual problem, because he sees something is off about him. Yeah. So uh, Alan Rickman is playing from the from the first movie, from the first time he's on screen. He's playing Snape as the sympathetic character we all know him to be. And that was that was the word is that apparently J.K. Rowling did give mm-hmm. uh, Alan Rickman confidential information about his character and how he falls into the plot and stuff before they started filming even the first movie. They, she did do that. Yeah. And you'd have to. There's you'd no to. way. Yeah. There's no way that you could play Snape the way he's presented in the books uh, and not and also like have a sympathetic portrayal to him, but he does it throughout. So yeah, it's like obvious. He knows that he knows and uh my two favorite characters in all these books are Snape and Neville. Right. And it, Snape is so interesting because I, he's immature. There's like, there's this he's deep emo as Im- fuck. Yeah. Yeah. There's this deep emo immaturity to him, where he's still dedicated to this woman who never loved him because she was nice to him. Could you imagine Snape singing lead vocals for our, our emo band Stained Scars? Oh my god. You'd <laughs> <laughs> have so much to say. Lily, oh. my perfect flower. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be so angry at prongs. He'd never call him James. He'd call him prongs all the time, I'm sure. Oh, man. Yeah. Um... <laughs> So yeah, like, but yeah, like the way that Alan Rickman plays him is is this perfect? Exactly the way we see him later on. He is dedicated to Harry because he was dedicated to Lily, and but Harry at the same has time, Lily's like, eyes. Resents him because he's like, yes. this could have been my kid, but it's it's that asshole James kid. Yeah, he's a lot like that asshole James, and he is. And this is a point I also wanted to talk about. Uh, but it's not entirely in the movie. But James Potter is a piece of shit. James sucks. It's true. Never it's proves himself true. to be good. In anything in the book, never proves himself to be worthwhile. No. 
And uh, it's like, honestly, about the only good thing he does is join the Order of the Phoenix, which is probably some yeah. kind of pressure that Lily put onto him. I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Because she seems to be the one who's worthwhile. Everyone who talks about them talks about how great she was. And that's the and that's thing. that's a cool thing, too, even in the movies as well as, you know, in this movie, we see Harry like kind of ogling over this Quidditch trophy that his dad had and sort of yeah. immediately sort of idolizing his dad the same way that everybody in school, while James and Snape were in school together, must have idolized James and just been like, oh, he's the best, yada, yada. Like he sees Harry Potter immediately entering into that same mindset of like, wow, James Potter was so amazing. And it must have just really tripped his uh, his memories back to that time period and so on. Uh, yeah, which made him sort of I, resent and hate him the same way that he did his dad. Really cool thing about these movies that I didn't know until I just looked at the cast list, but the people who play his parents in the mirror in this movie, and also in the scene where we see Lily get killed by Voldemort, are the people who play his parents throughout the entire series. It's cool. Same characters. And also interesting, the guy who plays his dad played the protagonist in the original, The Woman in Black, Daniel what? Radcliffe then played the protagonist in the remake. I did not know that. Also, I didn't know that Woman in Black was a remake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fucking crazy. Was... Yeah, pretty cool. Apparently, J.K. Rowling turned down the role of being Lily Potter. Huh. I find the ghosts are very underutilized. Why don't we have Peeves? There's no Peeves in any of the yes. movies whatsoever. Which he's in like all the books. Yeah, and he's very, like, yeah, he, he, he has his own stories. But it, it's kind of like people who want Tom Bombadil to be in the Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You could throw him in, but also it moves a lot smoother without him. I'm going to um, go ahead and put something out here that we see in our first Charms or – I can't remember if it's Charms or Transfiguration class. The way that Seamus is characterized Seamus. is oh, of Seamus. the stereotypical – Irish IRA bomber character. Yes. Yeah, it's constantly blowing up in his face. Everything and, blows up in his face. And tr he's making bombs, exploding things, uh, and trying to turn water into rum. Yes. And uh, to be honest, I, my wife and I make fun of Seamus in the first movie all the time because it's almost like they found the most Irish kid they could. Because they were like, we don't want anybody to understand anything he says unless <laughs> subtitles are on. How much are they? Like, it's. Turn this water I mean, into later, rum. Exploding. Yeah. Uh, later, as he comes along, like, as an actor, he enunciates better. But in this, it's just like, okay, kid, come on. <laughs> like, He's a young IRA terrorist. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, um, we get stuff where Neville gets to remember all at mail day and stuff, and then we go to the flying lessons where yeah, we Drake, find out Harry is great. Yeah, he's very good at flying. That's about the one good thing magical. He's, he's really good, good at. at flying. the The Quidditch scene should have been shorter. Um, yeah, the fucking rubber ass CGI looks really. Bad. Oh god, it's terrible. Yeah, and something that's cool too here is like, well, okay, we have that scene where they end up accidentally on the third floor corridor running into fluffy which is uh, the three-headed cerberus dog guarding the trap door and stuff yeah and there's that there's really lame cgi but somehow it kind of works in context because the, the 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 whole movie yes. is kind of lit unrealistically so it it mm -hmm. all looks kind of cartoony and fake anyway 
Yeah, the so the Cerberus. I don't know. Yeah, the Cerberus and the troll. I actually don't have a problem with, and the only problem with the troll is when Harry ends up on his back, oh, and Harry then just looks rubbery and not real. Now, something that's cool that I didn't really realize is there's that scene where they're in class, in Charms class, and yeah, that's when Hermione does the whole like, it's Leviosa. Leviosa. Yeah. And mm -hmm. this is really, really fucking dumb of me. But I didn't really realize it. But they have that scene, and then you know they're kind of talking shit about Hermione, and she overhears it, and that's why at the Halloween feast she's hiding in the bathroom, which is when the troll shows up in the dungeon. Yeah. And Ron and Harry go there, go down there to save her. And you know what? I hadn't even realized until this time. You know what saves her is Ron using the correct pronunciation of Leviosa. Yeah. The, the trolls want. It's like that's actually what ends up saving his ass. I hadn't, I, I don't know how, but I actually had not caught that until this time. I had not caught until this time that that scene is where they're cemented as friends also. Yeah. Because Ron, Ron up to that point didn't like Hermione. Yeah, yeah. He was um, like, yeah, pass. Yeah. So this is the moment where they're cemented as friends. And I guess what happens is that Ron, because she is so good, Ron finally saw her in a compromising position and realized like, Oh, I'm being a dick to her just because she's good. She still is trying to be my friend, so yeah. I should help her. And also, she taught me something because clearly that spell worked and knocked this troll yeah. out and stuff. Yeah. When it shifts to like Christmas time, it shows the exterior shot of the castle and there's snow everywhere, and Hagrid uh -huh. is dragging the Christmas tree into the building. And it good goes scene. it goes into the castle, and dude, there's this. It's so it's totally there and gone in like two seconds, but it's always amused me because I've seen this movie so many fucking times. But one of the school ghosts is singing a Christmas song, and it goes creepy Christmas ghost song. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, what? dude, it's so lame. He's like Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, but he sounds like a fucking ghost. And it sounds really creepy. It's awesome. It's so That's dumb. So cool. It's when, you, it's when you see Warwick Davis as <laughs> Professor Flitwick levitating yeah. ornaments onto the tree. There's a ghost in the background going, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. <laughs> it's seriously just like that. You've got to watch That's it, That's so good. It's so good. Um, We should talk about uh, Flitwick for a second because um, Warwick Davis, who plays Flitwick, yeah. also is the voice of... Uh, the goblin at Gringotts. What's his name? Um, oh yeah, Griphook. Griphook. But Griphook is played by Vern Troyer. Mini me. Uh huh. So, if if we're looking for what I said earlier, where you can switch characters in and out, um, we also have to remember that Warwick Davis played the character that um Alan Rickman voiced in. Oh no! Uh, what is the so long and thanks for all the fish? What is that called? Oh shit! Uh, <laughs> fucking Hitchhiker's Guide. Hitchhiker's Guide. Yes. So. <laughs> what? Um, he played the robot. He play, He was in the costume. Alan Rickman was doing the voice. Vern Troyer's in the costume. Warwick Davis is doing the voice. Holy I'm shit! I'm just saying, like. There's if if we could switch characters in and out, like we could essentially have Warwick Davis playing Alan Rickman. I had no idea about <laughs> that. That's fucking crazy. 
Well, and so we get Christmas. Harry Potter gets his cloak from an anonymous donor, his invisibility cloak, which looks cool. They go to the library, to the restricted section, to try to find books about Nicholas Flamel. Mm-hmm. Um, they get that scene of like Filch and stuff trying to look yeah. for him, which I, I really like how um, Filch, the school's kind of a, a caretaker and disciplinarian, he totally uh-huh. looks like Malcolm Young from ACDC. Oh my god! Like just like him. <laughs> I never thought about that because like I look at him and I see Walter Frey or I see oh, totally. any of the characters he's played before. And then basically, like Hermione happens to find something about Flamel in an ancient wizard tome, and this is this is where the movie does accelerate really, really, really fast because she's like, "Oh, Nicholas Flamel, he's the guy that made the Sorcerer's Stone." That's what's under the trap door. That's what Snape's trying to get. We got to go in tonight and try to get it. Oh no, Dumbledore's not here tonight. We absolutely have to go get it. It really does kind of accelerate super, super, yeah. super fast. And they find Hagrid, who has the dragon's egg in his hut, and Draco tattles on him, and they get detention. That's when they have to go into the yeah. woods, and they find, you know, a, a, it's basically just a, a hook on a suspended coat hanger that is draining a unicorn (laughs) yeah dude of all the places to not use cgi it's totally just like an empty cloak hanging Uh on a fucking fishing line why did you use cgi right there at least come on or just don't use cgi like you pick one (laughs) don't go both because it looks so weird it's like all right i mean uh, that's just cloth (laughs) like it's it's, it's a cloth hanging from a string I, I don't remember. It seems to me that is Quirrell, right? Or is that Voldemort? Like, he's, no, like, it's, removed it's himself. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because why does he not have a full body? Yeah, like, exactly. Y- you know, that's know. exactly why you would either do it with the actor or CGI and not just have something on a string. Because he moves in that snaky Axl Rose sort of fashion. <laughs> So far away. <laughs> I also like too that the that whenever they're going through the woods and it's like Draco and Hermione and Harry and Fang and Hagrid, Hagrid mm-hmm. finds the unicorn blood, like that puddle of unicorn blood, that's actually T one thousand from Terminator. Yeah, that's crazy. It it really is, and I don't know if you knew this, but Starbucks uses that to flavor those frappuccinos. Those unicorn <laughs> frappuccinos? Yeah. That's what that is. You, it's it's you T-1000. Drink it. Yeah, you drink that, and now you're full of nanobots. What's wrong with you? <laughs> you're full of nanobots and midichlorians. <laughs> yeah, you got all these midichlorians. I don't know where they came from. <laughs> and so they they end up getting saved by the centaur, and centaur looks really fucking bad. Yeah, and, bad uh, CGI, but he's like, Harry Potter, everybody knows about you. You're like Michael Jordan's son or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they they decide to go into the trap door and stuff that night. And this the, the whole scene where they go under the trap door in the books is really cool because there's sort of like specific yeah. sort of trials that have been set by all the various professors uh, uh-huh. that, are, that are kind of... I don't know, somewhat cerebral and, and cute and kind of creative for the characters and stuff. But in, yeah. the, in the movie, they really they go by in like five minutes. It's really fast. 
Yeah, but also, like, they, there's just, like, at this point, there's so much, I think, fatigue because you're into the second uh, or you're into the third hour now almost. Like, Yeah, it's, it's like two a, hours in the movie by that point. You spent so much time showing us Quidditch and stuff, and now, uh, you know, it's pretty quick with the first two, and then there's Wizard Chess, which is way long. And uh, they didn't even spend enough time setting up that Ron was good at chess. He <laughs> was just—he just, yeah, just showed like us that he played minutes, yeah. it once. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they skipped the whole like cool. Uh, there's that cool scene in the book where there's the potions where they have to pa- pass through like the the flame wall, and it's like, oh, you know, three oh, of yeah. these potions uh-huh. are poison. Yeah, yeah. That would have been kind of hard to make cool in a movie, though, honestly. Yeah, would have been a boring. It. So, um. Harry gets through all those things, and when he gets to the final room by himself, uh, Quirrell is there, and it's like, it's just like any uh, any sort of mystery movie where it's like, didn't expect me, right? Very Scooby-Doo um, ending. Yeah. Uh, and I you think do. It's also, it's, it's, I think it's also a very racist, a very xenophobic ending to this whole thing because look at this look just think about this for a second steve uh-huh where does the ultimate evil lie underneath inside a turban a turban exactly yeah shame um, on you shame on you <laughs> <laughs> we finally hear the voice of voldemort and he sounds kind of like black philip yeah kinda, um, he's kind of black philippy yeah yeah not as not quite as cool but he's got that like harry potter do you uh, want to live? To, do you like the taste of butter? <laughs> do you want to live deliciously? And he does offer him those things, basically. He like, kind of does. Harry, yeah. yeah, Harry, come live by my side. And I thought about this. Um, he meant that. Yeah. Like he had he had to have meant that because Harry was a Horcrux. Harry was a container of a part of his soul. He wanted Harry nearby so he could protect him, like Nagini. Right. Like he, he wanted because Harry is is living and could just be killed, just like Nagini. Like you want that nearby so you can protect it. Right. Yeah. Because he's like, if you're my enemy, me or one of my followers might kill you, which weakens me. Yeah. So let's just keep you close here. Yeah. So he's he's not entirely lying. He wants Harry to join him. Um, and Harry. Hey, the the mirror of Irised is in there, and Harry in. That's kind of convoluted. He ends up with the actual Sorcerer's Stone in his pocket because he sees it in the mirror. That, yeah. Again, it's well, a first book. I'll let it slide. Yeah, and Dumbledore says later he put a spell on it that only the person who wanted to find the the Sorcerer's Stone but not use it would be able to get it from the mirror. So, um, because Harry didn't want to use it, supposedly, I guess. I don't know. And then, like, an 11-year-old boy... Um, murders a full-grown man by boiling his flesh off of him by grabbing his face. Yeah, this isn't a horror movie, though. Yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. And that wouldn't scar somebody for life at all. Yeah, what the shit? I want to hear from the kids, because what are they now? 17, 18? Like, yeah. that That grew up with this in their childhood. I want to hear from them. Like, did this scare the shit out of you as a kid? Right, because he he does murder he does murder a full grown man. Yeah, he turns him into dust. 
Yeah. That doesn't happen in the in the book. That's a very no. different thing. Because like in the book, like Harry just passes out, and it's sort of later revealed that oh, you know, Quirrell couldn't he couldn't touch you at all. Like, but in the book, like Harry's like grabbing his or sorry, in the movie, Harry's like grabbing his face and nuking yeah. and stuff. Very very different. Yeah, I fine with it either way. Fuck him. Yeah, it's fine. It works. Fucking um, terrorist. Fuck him. And. And just like <laughs> every single um, book except for the seventh, there's a scene in the infirmary at Hogwarts. Yeah, where Dumbledore is explaining how he's like, oh, you know, you, you the power of your mother's love protected you. Yeah, yes. and that's that seems like, oh, okay, that's just a throwaway thing. It's but a little hallmarky. That's a thing that, yeah, but that's a thing that's going to like come back over and over and over throughout the series that he was saved from being murdered by the strongest wizard alive by his mother's love. Right. Which is something that Voldemort himself cannot feel and doesn't understand. So he has no means, which actually it's cool. Yeah. Which actually provides me with a ton of sympathy for Voldemort because that's not his fault. (laughs) Like he didn't, he didn't choose to not have a mom. <laughs> yeah, or like an abusive, shitty father and stuff. Yeah. So, what we see, I guess, just if we just focus on this movie, is that this sets up like a, a real fun sort of world. If we if we pretend the world we don't building know, is great. Yeah, we pretend we don't know anything that happens after this, like. It would seem like this would take someone a, a long time to set up this world before they would actually sit down and start writing the story. But I, I really believe that I don't think she did that. I think she used the knowledge she already had in her head of, of mythology and things like that. She set up a story where she knew like anything I say in this is going to have to come back later. So I won't, I won't do anything real stupid but I will take some risks, and she yeah. does with like the the wand. Like that's a big risk that could never come back. But she brings it back in a big way later. Um, right. You know, she 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 took a lot of risks, thinking I have nothing to lose, and she sincerely didn't, and it paid off. Um, so for creatives out there, take risks. Like, try hard at something that seems like, why would you try at that? Why would you put so much into that? Put put so much into it. You're not necessarily going to become J.K. Rowling, but you might produce something really great. I also think that it's worth noting that at the end of the movie, Slytherin totally gets dry-dicked on winning the House Cup. Because apparently <laughs> S- Slytherin totally won fair yes. and square as far as, like, they had the most points. But then you get these Gryffindors that totally broke the rules as far as uh-huh. going out after dark and going into the forest and going in, yeah, you know, and fucking petrifying Neville and blah, blah, blah. And he got uh, points for that. They, they got rewarded for misbehaving. So this is basically about the Trump election. Well... <laughs> 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 I think I think what may have happened. What happened? What happened is Gry- Gryffindor was they. <laughs> as a twist, Gryffindor totally won extra points by consulting with Durmstrang. 
<laughs> and a young wizard there by the name of Vladimir Putin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I think that what she had to do is because the ending of this, if you think about it for even two seconds, is sad as hell. Yeah. If if Gryffindor didn't win right before Harry was sent from the only place he's ever been happy to the people who torture him every single day. Like, right. if, if something overly happy hadn't happened before that, that moment would just be like, God damn, this is depressing. Yeah, you go to school and you fucking fail. Yeah. <laughs> um... So yeah, I think maybe she threw that in because she was like, "Oh, this is this is real depressing." Yeah. <laughs> you know, we usually rate our, our movies on a scale of one to ten, and it's like, as far as like quality as a movie, as a piece of cinematic mm-hmm. art, it's really probably about like a five out of ten. But in terms of how much I feel happiness while watching this movie. It's a motherfucking mm-hmm. ten. Like I, I'm, I'm always yeah. so happy when I see this. I know the acting is really rough. It's, it's a bunch of kids doing their first time acting jobs. So much of the lighting doesn't make sense. So much of the special effects mm-hmm. are terrible. I don't care. It makes me really happy. It's a ten out of ten for me in terms of like how much I like this movie. This, this movie is unique in that it is, it's the the beginning of what we now call the Marvel movies. Right. It's the beginning of the idea of these movie universes. It is the beginning because what happens in this, what they, I don't know if you could ever call a large film corporation brave, but there was some bravery in uh, making this movie and not making this a single movie because if I were rating this as a single movie I think it is at best a two because right. the the story is 15 to 20 minutes of a two and a half hour movie yes um but this is setting up what would be seven sequels afterward um the bravery in thinking like we'll worry about telling a simple story less and we'll focus more on building the whole world because it's it's gonna it's gonna make money and we're gonna be able to make at least the next couple mm-hmm. um so that and and what that does i i think yeah you're right this is like a 5 or a 6 like as as that and as far as enjoying it yeah it's a 10 I it it's it is the first Harry Potter book turned into a movie. There's hardly anything cut out and it's it's so fun. What's your likes and dislikes about this movie? I um love the casting. Right. Uh I, I understand that the kid actors aren't great, but in general kid actors aren't great. And right. there are a ton of them in here. So to be able to nitpick and say some of the child actors aren't great, well, congratulations. You found like a, a a boil on the ass of someone who obviously is dying of rectal cancer. Like, <laughs> it's, like, you're looking at a small I wish picture. That was a, I wish that was a quote on the back of the Blu-ray box of this. <laughs> Congratulations, you found a boil on the ass of someone who's dying of rectal cancer. Quote, Steve Spratling, Dead and Lovely Podcast. Yeah. 
yeah, this it, it's <laughs> there are a ton That's of so bad cold. child actors, <laughs> but they also become good, and, and and not only that, but they these child actors are obviously were treated well by the studio and the people creating these movies throughout. Because they didn't end up as Lindsay Lohan's. Oh, they, that they did. Almost, almost all of them ended up as just well-adjusted, regular people. Some of them are still actors. Some of them less interested in acting. Um, so to take to just take a bunch of kids who are really just interested in being in a Harry Potter movie, and to be able to get anything out of them is great. Um, Emma Watson's awesome. I really like her. She's the youngest of the three, isn't she? Um, I don't know. I think so. And she, um, she's confident, and she she pulls off Hermione throughout, which is exactly what you'd want. So I I I actually like even the child casting. I like I do like that they really hardly cut anything out of the first movie. Uh, dislikes the CGI is terrible. In almost every instance, it's really bad. Um, and uh, I would, I think I would have focused more on the actual story, like with Voldemort. Like I think I would have put more focus on that if I was making this just as a as a single movie. Um, but again, I love this movie. How about yourself? What do you like? What do you dislike? I'm with you as far as, like, I really love the casting. I think the casting is really fantastic. Perhaps with the exception of of the uh, of the Dumbledore casting, maybe. But e- e- even, like, Dumbledore's role in these first two movies is so simple. He's just the wizened, old, headmaster, mm-hmm. kind, old, sweet man that it's kind of fine. It's like, I probably would have had more of a problem with him as we got into, you know, six and seven, five, six, seven, if he was still being played by... Uh, Oh, fuck. What's his name in this one? Uh, Richard Harris. Yeah. I think he would have shown up weak there, but I, I think he's fine in these movies, um, uh-huh. considering his role is so simple. So I really like that. I'm I'm also totally a sucker for, for any kind of a world-building origin story. Yeah. I, I love any tale where it's a person who thinks they're living in an ordinary world that finds out that they're actually part of something very exceptional. I, I cannot help but be a sucker for that. I love world It's what we all movies. want. Yeah, exactly, man. Everybody, that's ever, like, I don't want to interrupt too much of you, but that that is, like, the idea behind story is yeah. that your life was normal and now it's radically different. And that's what this it, does so perfectly. And also, too, it's that notion that it turns out that you're actually more special than you think you are or that you've been yeah. told by your surroundings. And and I, I'm so uh, uh, self-centered that I can't even imagine that world. The world where I find out I'm more important than I think I am. Oh, man. What would that I'd, be? Yeah, I'd be Thanos or something. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm totally a sucker for that. I, I've watched this movie um dozen probably prob I mean, I might even go as far as to say maybe like a hundred times because it's one of those that I just mm-hmm. turn on and just have on while I play guitar or while I read a book or whatever. I don't know. It's it's just a comfort movie to me because it's just an mm-hmm. easy watch. I know it inside and out neat soundtrack it's pretty um 
I just like it's a comfort movie. That's all that I can say. It's a comfort movie for me. Um, dislikes would be yeah, definitely the CGI is pretty bad in some spots. Like if they put this CGI in like the sixth movie, it would look shot to fuck. <laughs> oh man, can you imagine that? Oh my god, people dude. would have been so pissed. You're sitting in the theater and like suddenly just these rubbery ass looking CGI. Oh, oh no, not but- acceptable. But then at the same time, it's like, I cannot help but wonder what this would have been like with, you know, Jim Henson's Creature Shop doing all the creatures and effects and stuff. Because, like, even yeah. that, that shot where they defeat the troll in the bathroom, after they knock the troll out, the kids are standing around, basically a big rubber suit of the fallen troll. It's real yeah. at that, like, it's not CGI. That's a big rubber suit troll laying on the floor. <laughs> Why not use that? It looks great, dude, and it's like, again, like if if the if the props and rubber suit team that did Legend or did Never Ending uh, Story worked on this yeah. or like Labyrinth or some shit, I mean, fuck, Good it stuff. would it would be incredible. Which goes to my further hope that within our lifetimes we will see a BBC miniseries of all the Harry Potter books, just chapter by chapter, word for word. Yeah perfect i i hope to fucking god that we get that because it would be pure magic and perfection it'd be the best yeah i and i don't yeah i don't want it to be a cgi fest absolutely yeah i'd love to see that yeah just gosh because that that seems more magic that seems more magic to me yeah than cg absolutely cgi is muggle shit (laughs) it's it's muggle as shit right there like <laughs> we don't deal with that. No, but give me give me some uh give me some Lucasfilm, give me some fucking Jim Henson's creature shop. That's magic to me. That that's one area that I think that these movies could have been more magical in. It's just give me some real. Give me some of that real. <laughs> give me some of that real. Now we didn't mention and I think this is the most important thing that happens in this movie, but uh magnitude is in it. Pop pop. No. Yeah. Luke Youngblood, Magnitude. Uh, he's uh, Dean, I think. Is he Lee Jordan? Uh, oh, yeah, he's Lee Jordan. That's right. Is he the one doing the Quidditch, Quidditch announcing? Yeah, I think You're so. You're fucking kidding me. That's Magnitude. Pop, pop. Oh, my God. I did not know that. That's what crazy. What the fuck? Pop, pop. I love it. I can't wait to... Because, again, every now and then on this podcast, we're going to be doing these wild card episodes where one of us will just get to pick some movie that isn't a horror movie um, strictly, and we'll cover something like that. I I would love to eventually cover all these and talk about, you know, all eight movies. Um, Because I I love them so much, dude. And, And, you know, it's like this movie is like two and a half fucking hours long for a kid's movie that's ridiculous. Um. But I don't even care. It, it gives me two and a half hours of my life that I can spend yeah. in the, the wizarding world of Hogwarts. And so I'm fine with that. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, I agree. The time is, is A-okay with me. I uh, really love this movie. So what yeah. are we doing next week? All right. So we're going to get back to some We're going to get back to some at real next week because we're going to be covering one of my all-time favorite horror movies and absolutely my favorite movie from this side of the millennium, Ty West's incredible The House of the Devil, um, which is 
fucking fantastic. I love, yeah. love, 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 love this movie. So I can't uh, wait yeah. to cover it and talk about it with you. Yeah, that you mean that you mean that movie with Lena Dunham in it? <laughs> it's a, it's a BuzzFeed movie. Yeah, she <laughs> she appears on the phone in this and in uh, she appears as the the coffee shop uh, person in the innkeepers, which is interesting. I've oh, never God really damn, she is right. I yeah, I think she and Ty West both went to Oberlin together or something. I'm not positive yeah. on that. Anyway. Um, so yeah, House of the, the Devil. Movie. I'm super excited. Me too. So we'll cover that on the next episode of, of Dead and Lovely. In the meantime, where can these fine folks get in touch with us to request a movie or perhaps give us some feedback on what we're doing or not doing? Yeah. Uh, you can email us at deadandlovelypod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter or Instagram at deadlovelypod. I also implore you people please go on iTunes and write us a five-star review and uh, mm-hmm. you know, rate, rate and review, please, because that helps us show up into the uh, search feeds and stuff way, 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 way better. So please go on there and give us a strong review. Uh, don't use any dirty words or they won't publish it and that won't get us a rating. So use your, use your church language, give us a good review, give us a five-star rating or whatever. That way we can get found more often try this heck these guys are sure great i found them to be an awful rootin' tootin' good time i would consume their genitalia yeah that's not a cuss word <laughs> you guys can find me on uh instagram and twitter at ben eller guitars and you can also find my youtube channel on youtube.com uh slash ben eller guitars find some guitar lessons on there where can they find you steven I am Steven Spratling, that's Steven with a V, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you could find me on Facebook, maybe. I don't know. And again, follow my dog on Instagram. She's adorable. Oh, what's her What's her, her at? Salem T. Boogins. Salem as in the city, T as in the letter, Boogins, B-O-O-G-I-N-S. Boogins. Mm-hmm. Not back at that's, man. That's, uh, I mean, listen, we didn't name her. She told us that was her name. Did she tell you like Black Phillip style? Yeah, well she is a witch. We that is actually part that's canon in our household that <laughs> she she is a witch who was three hundred years old and transferred into the body of the cutest dog ever and she just decided to go with it. <laughs> and y'all decided to go with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see you guys next week. Until we see you next time, Dave. Thank you guys so much for listening. You guys have been wonderful, and we have been dead and lovely. Say goodbye, Steve. Goodbye, Steve. Goodbye, Steve.